Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. We're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. And love and tradition of the grand design, some people say, is even harder to find. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Ross Family Matters podcast. We have a special guest today. We'll get to that in a minute. Hotshot Scott Williams, Vic the Stick, uh, Ross, of course, that's what it's named after, Jack Spade, and our friend, Eddie Watson. They can't see what you're doing, Larry Zabisco. <laughs> Thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. So we 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 figured we we wanted to have a fourth person along, and Jason Masters was unavailable um, because we didn't tell him about it. So <laughs> welcome aboard. Thank you. But we wanted to add diversity. That part was important. Yeah, we actually wanted you to bring your son Curry. Well, well you know, why don't you uh, before we get our first topic going, why don't you just tell everybody who you are and how we know you? Um. Well, how do we know each other? So um, I'm I'm a ref. When I'm working, and um, boy, shoot, we met around 2003-ish, I want to say. Was it? No, I want to say a little bit later than that, because it was with SSW, right? It was around with SSW. It would have been, yes, a little later than that. So I want to say about 2005. Yeah, that sounds right. Curry would have been like two at that point, so maybe, yeah. Yeah, SSW, yep. Okay. Or 80 pounds ago, whatever way you want to measure it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me might, too. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> that might go for three out of four of us yeah. right now. So for those who are tuning in for the first time, we're sorry. Um, but we also want to let you know that the way this works is we have a ton, and we've, we've already done six of these, but we've got a ton of topics in a hat. And we don't know what's going to come out. I mean, we put the topics in there two months ago. We've shook, shook them up and whatever, but we have no idea how this is going to play out or what's going to come out. And I think the first topic is in your hand right there. It is. Uh, it is a topic that might be a quick hitter. Uh, the Melissa Banty interviews of SWE and how those became a thing. Uh, Melissa Banty was never our interviewer for SWE. Nick Regner was our interviewer for SWE. Uh, Sometimes I, Nick Regner had boobs, though. He did. Yeah. He did. That was in later years. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just everybody. Right, right. Um, but basically, uh, the first time I remember meeting Melissa was the night she valeted for Chaz Moretti, the manager who needed a manager. I think she got paid for that. Didn't he pay her for that because she was a model? Probably. Well, okay, first of all, that's a, you're, you're using that term very loosely. All right, let's, let's just go there for a minute. Secondly, I'll save, hopefully Chaz Moretti's in the hat because we can go on for hours about him. I think I met Melissa years prior to that, though, because she would hang out at like Armani shows and things of that. Okay. So, And I remember her getting into a heated argument in an ICW show with uh, Matt Winchester, which was interesting. 
Just so. being a mark? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, she used to hang around with uh, Droopy Drawers. <laughs> so, you know, that's where we, we kind of got to know her a little bit. But she did do a couple interviews with us at SWE, I recall. Yeah. Melissa Banti, for me, for interviews, was always good for a good groping. So I know this is a hot topic in the news right now. Okay, Feinstein. But that's where I get my grope on when we interview. One time Elaine groped her so hard she hit me in the mouth with the microphone and we had to start over. <laughs> well, One, so, so there's that. Um, any other Melissa Banty tidbit? You, any stories with you and Melissa Banty? Um, one time at an SWE show was uh, 4th of July. She was, um, I think she was ring announcing. You guys weren't there. And um, nobody smartened her up to the finish. So when uh, when I did my heel turn and I, you know, announced two over one, she had this legit, like, what the F look on her face. Sure. And then, you know, when I told her what was going on, she legit, like, it was like watching that guy who uh, reacted after The Undertaker lost. It was that, that same sort of look on her face. And so... That, that's probably the thing that stands out to me most. So, a look of bewilderment. Yeah, so like, like well, what are you day. talking about? Like, no, that's not the way this goes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so. I'm glad she could argue the finish with you. I, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I know that she's she's been widely successful selling raffle tickets up at ACW for the 50-50 raffle. Um, she's been, you know, very, very good at that. And uh, I also know that she has a thing for a Youth Gone Wild member. <laughs> But yeah. we're not going to tell you which one. Right. Yeah, you pick You pick the one. You decide. It's AC Riley. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, honestly, and, and all kidding aside, she's she's a great contributor to, you know, she's a good fan, and she's, you know, do, doing some ring announcing, and uh, she's always been a supporter of indie wrestling. And a, a great a friend of the that. business. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Here you go. Oh, you get the oh, pick. Oh, you get a pick out right. of that. They're all sticky, Make so you got to be. It's a trap. <laughs> A mouse oh. trap. They are sticky. That one's, yeah, they're sticky. They're posted. Right. Can you read it? Uh, best drunk food slash hot sauce. Hmm. Why is everybody looking at me? That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> best drunk food in the world is Wendy's. Plain and simple. It's greasy. Yeah. And when you've had too much to drink, you need to suck up some of that alcohol with grease. And you will not have a hangover the next day. So I don't disagree with that. I think I never even considered Wendy's, but I've certainly had my fair share of drunk Wendy's. I'm going to go with an old fallback when it used to be located on the south side, Jalisco's. Oh, I love Jalisco's. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have a Jalisco story for you that involves some drinking. (laughs) We have an amazing Jalisco story for you. No, we don't. Sure, we sure do. It's not in the hat. It's what I Hold on. The hat is not the be-all, end-all. This is a very important story of hanging out with the Ross family at Jalisco's. Listen, I stated it before. I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to be your punchline every fucking show. (laughs) All right, so I'll start to tell this story, and you can fill it in wherever you'd like to. All right. Uh, Vic almost got myself, Jason Masters, himself, and Jason Masters' female friend killed by about 14 Puerto Ricans. Oh my. All because he didn't get his plate of his burrito suizo with cheese. Well, that's what suizo means. I don't know what suizo <laughs> So It means cheese. Oh. So we all have been drinking 
and we decide to go to Jalisco's because it is late. Mm-hmm. So we go to Jalisco's. We all order at the same time. Yep. Okay? Four of us. All order at the same time. Vic gets called the N-word colloquially. Right? That's the right yeah. term for that? Yeah, yeah. Like you were indoctrinated? I was. I was blessed. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I get my food. It's wonderful. I eat it. Uh, I believe uh, Buck's female friend gets yeah. her food. Yep. Mm-hmm. Loves it. Yep. Buck ordered chips. <laughs> of course. Well, was he paying? <laughs> Which come free. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Vic ordered his food. Never showed up. Never showed up. A table of 14 people, roughly, it was like two tables together, come in at the same time, okay? And they all order oh, their they, food. They came in after us. It, it was, okay, I'm sorry. It was after they us. They came in after us. Yep. And they order their meals, okay? Right. And their meals start coming out by the plate. Yep. And Yosemite Sam over here. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> all right? Had about as much as he could stand and yeah. wasn't going to stand for any more. <laughs> That's actually Popeye, not Yosemite Sam. Okay? Yeah. But I may have asked aloud... Did you say he was rooting tootin'? No. I may have said aloud, what, do you got to be Mexican to get something to eat in this <laughs> oh, fucking place? No. At which point I was informed that they were in fact not Mexican, but Puerto Rican. And despite dining in a Mexican restaurant... Very unhappy to be referred to as Mexican. <laughs> Which, by the way, is no surprise. Um, a little known secret, maybe, Eddie, you didn't know this. Puerto Ricans do not like being called Mexican and vice versa. All right. I don't know if you knew that. I'll make so, note of that. Yeah, so be careful. I attempted to defuse the situation. After you lit it up? By saying, and I quote, I don't give a fuck what you are. I just want to eat. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, Vic. Yeah. I'm a doctor in Puerto Rico. <laughs> That's what they tell me. Can I uh, can I just doctor here? I'm I'm really good at it in Puerto Rico. You may not. I'm really over in Puerto you Rico. May I'm not. a great doctor. I I understand you have some openings at this hospital. Doesn't work that Need way. Need doctors. Does not work that way. So while we're on the subject of of drunk food, I I'm just I don't want to like pigeonhole or stereotype or profile, but Eddie, you strike me as a George Webb's guy. No way. Nah, I'm Pizza Shuttle. If I was oh, going, oh yeah, man, yeah. how close to the east side do you live? Because that's not like, anywhere close. That's like yeah, a eat shit wipe repeat. <laughs> How's your heart? Weak. Right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. started out strong. I, you? Well, where I was going at is just because you're a good wrestler in Puerto Rico and you can get booked there doesn't mean you should get booked here. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not sure what that has to do with... Are we talking about Jesus, your net? (laughs) No. Okay. All right. Uh, Drunk food. Oh, man. I think a great drunk food is the North Country Steak Buffet trademark. Sure, you eat it the day after you're drunk, but if they could just give us some money, that would be amazing. Also, can I just point out that in lacrosse at bar time, there are two options to eat. And one is Perkins. Yikes. And the other is Hardee's. <laughs> no, Taco John's is open, okay, too. Okay, so... Then why don't we ever go there? Okay, so here's the thing. Hardee's, 
used to be good before Carl's Jr. bought them when they had the big burgers that looked like meatloaf. Okay, <laughs> Hardee's hasn't been the same since then. And and secondly, there's no Denny's there. No. Wow. Like Perkins is like Denny's special cousin. Yeah, Roberta. Remember? <laughs> do you remember when we would go to Denny's to eat after like hanging out, and there'd be the card players who just sat and drank coffee for hours yeah. and spent like a dollar eighty-five the entire time they were there. Yeah, no that tip. Was, that was always fun. So I remember a time. Now, who was it that messed with Jesse Van Ruden's car at a Perkins after a show? Was that? I a don't kid remember. Riot? No, he wasn't messing with it. He was so drunk. That he ate his toast and went outside and threw up and slept in the car. And set the alarm off, right? He did, yeah. yeah. But he wasn't trying to okay. be malicious or anything. He just needed a nap. We also saw one of the greatest things we've ever seen. I don't know if you guys were here for this. I was. Perkins, I know exactly what you're talking where about. Where we showed up and there was like a bachelorette party with like a big party bus that showed up. At it was Perkins? A, it, was, it was a gang of roaming hillbillies <laughs> is what it was. And well, they were in a school bus. They were in a... Okay. It was something like that, but somebody decided it was a great idea to demonstrate how their pepper spray worked inside of the bus. Oh my. So as we show up, people are just piling out of this bus and like vomiting and crying and falling down onto the ground uh, outside of the bus. Yikes. And it was pretty amazing. Yes. So I will go out on a limb because I've eaten at Perkins before. It doesn't strike me as being good drunk food. It's not, but it's it's what's but available. But it's there. Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. We got hot sauce now, too. So Yeah, so why are they mutually con- conjoined? Because that's how somebody worded the question. Oh, okay. So they just, best trunk food hot sauce. Well, this is uh, this is Jim's writing. So Jim added this on to mine. Oh, I get you. And the reason was if he was really mad because we started talking about how his stuff wasn't as hot as the chicken wing that Brian made us try at his poker game. But that, okay, so here's the thing. All the stuff that we created, and, and, you know, Jim was able to help with the wings that ruined the Super Bowl party, and the chili we ate that, you know, we filmed the videotape. That, I think, why it didn't seem as hot was we were expecting it. That wing that Brian gave us came out of left field. Yeah, that thing was off. Like, I wasn't expecting that. I literally vomited. Off of one chicken wing. Yeah. It was, and it was a dry rub hot, which was even oh. weirder. Yeah. 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 So I don't think All it's right. to discredit. Like your whole face burnt, Eddie. Yeah. Mm. It was like, really bad. Eddie, you do strike me as a hot sauce guy, though. I like some hot sauce. All right. So what's your go to? Do you go to Red Hot? Ooh, go to. Um, I don't know that I'm a. I'm like a super hot. I just like, I like a little flavor. Curry? I hate, uh, you know, maybe a little bit. I, I really don't it's like Tabasco hot. sauce, but they've got this smoked Chipotle Tabasco oh. that's like that's that's really nice right now. Do you put hot sauce in your eggs? Yeah, See, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh yeah, put hot sauce on everything. But, I, not, yeah. but hopefully not. Okay, again, I don't want to offend I'll anybody because you know I'm worried about offending people. You know, but I I can handle a hot sauce in eggs, but I can't get with the ketchup on the eggs. No, that's people, nasty. Yeah, because yeah. the people who do, like, literally put a whole bottle of ketchup on your eggs. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, no. Okay, well, then I think... We'll hot sauce go-to? Um, I, you know, I don't have a go-to because I grew up, my dad was a collector of hot sauces, right? Like, he'd go on trips and bring back hot sauces. So he didn't really have a go-to. Like, so we would try different things. So, 
I don't really have, like, I'll go to the store and something will speak to me, and that'll be my go-to for that. Okay. Whatever that recipe is. I personally am a classic Tabasco sauce guy, Eddie. Oh. Um, and okay. I like, I only eat it with one meal, and that's breakfast. It goes on my, my omelet and hash browns, and it's spread out nicely. But I have to kind of watch the spice that I intake because my guts are real raw. Yeah, I got you. Right. I'm Frank's all the way. I like Frank's. Frank's, yeah. is, Frank's is a high-quality hot sauce. The original Frank's, not the the weird offshoot Frank's or whatever they got there. <laughs> you not Frank's shifty cousin. <laughs> like, like, you do realize, though, if I go for wings, like, if I go to BW3s, I'm getting blazing. If I go to um, the Quaker Steak and Lube, I'm getting the nuclear. We have to wear the cloth. Like, so... Yeah, I'm not doing that. No? No. Because oh. I want to enjoy my food. It's enjoyable. It cleans you out. <laughs> All right. Who, uh, before we move on real quick, when we took the hot stuff up there, when Jim took the hot stuff to the shows and was having people try them, out of everybody that you guys have seen eat the hot, mm-hmm. hot stuff, who handled it the best and who handled it the worst? I'll tell you who handled it the worst that I saw, and that was Kid Riot. He was uh, actually angry <laughs> that we made him even do that. I feel like Riley took it pretty raw. Like, yeah. there was a search for bread at one point. Like I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they left and went and got bread. I do remember an, an, an addendum to the, to the Kid Riot story. I had bought him a shot and unbeknownst to him, put some of the hot sauce yep, in the shot. Yep. So that might have been why he was. <laughs> and I believe the person who handled it the best was uh, Richard Weaver. Richard Weaver. Go ahead. Whoa, Dick Weaver. I believe you've been weaving dick all night. It's a classic, uh, classic Lane song. Classic Lane song. So, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our Spotlight in the Squared Circle segment where we highlight local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash The Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five. Yeah. Yes, I'll take my eggs over easy, and I'll take my podcast. Podcast, Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life, probably, and definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the worst. All right, I, uh, I picked out our next topic. Oh, all right. And uh, happens to be somebody sitting in the room. Uh oh. Happens to be uh, the reason I'm in the wrestling business. Eddie. Eddie Watts. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. We got ourselves Scott Williams, oh, my everybody. Goodness. Are you want to leave for this for just a while? I, yeah. I knew this was going to come. <laughs> Can we have the room? <laughs> we got some shit to say. Well, let's he- I'm going to hear it anyway. I'm going to play it back. Well, not unlike. Blaming Dan and Ryan Lenz of SSW for Lane being in the wrestling business. If you're mad about me being in the wrestling business, you can blame Scott. Because without my seeing the brawl on cable access, 
uh, I would have never called, and he was integral in that. Oh, a hundred times, right? Were you one of the hundred calls? Somewhere between 20 and 100, yeah. yes. Yeah. So the backstory to that, I know we went over it, is we had a hotline. Brian was in charge of the hotline. He didn't often call people back. So Professional asshole. <laughs> well, Good yeah. front of the house guy, as I recall you saying yeah. at one point. <laughs> right, right. So you started, so Al Patterson is who you credit as your trainer. Correct. Correct. So uh, once you got out of, or once Rebel stopped running, kind of walk us through the rest of what you did past that point because um, you've worked kind of everywhere at this point. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so there was a period of time where I took some time off of wrestling and got offered a chance to ring announce for WOW, which was um, uh, Rambo and Ike, uh, Ike Andrews ran it. Um, and I enjoyed that. And there was a part of me that was a little bit fed up. You know, the, the way Rebels ended, you know, we talked about that story at one point. And I just wanted to be like, you know, take some time out, you know, and, and but stay involved in the business. And I got a chance to, to you know... Um, test out ring announcing and I enjoyed it and they from all accounts said I did a great job at that but I couldn't stay away from getting in the ring so I was able to get on some SSW shows and um, work on a couple other shows with Angel Armani up in Minnesota he'd take me on some road trips and staying somewhat in the business then thankfully Legacy started and I was able to work locally again here and SWE and um, a little bit up in lacrosse and that's pretty much but then as we got into those last five years of me being in the ring, I had started ring announcing for Angel Armani again, trying to hedge my bets. I got paid the same the ring announce, and I didn't have to take bumps. So, Sounds um, good to me. That ended up being the road that I thought made more sense for me. Again, I was never a five-star worker to begin with, and it wasn't getting any better when I hit the 40s. So I realized that it was time to, uh, to do that. I had also given some thought about managing, but there was no way I could be as good as the best manager in the business. Stop it. So I just thought it would have been futile. So ring announcer it was and is and has been. I reffed a little bit too in, in between here and there, and I worked some shows with Mike Thompson while I was in my semi-retirement. Did a show for Peter B. Beautiful up in Oshkosh where I was involved in a three-way with Dino Bambino and uh, Ken Anderson, which was... No uh, no offense to the two guys you were in the match with, which was... They're great workers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Peter B.? <laughs> Oh my, well, I hope he's in the hat. But anyway, that's what I've done, and I've stayed in the business. You know, wrestling's been a thing for me. Like, I was uh, a fan at, like, age nine, and I never thought, never, ever did I have dreams of being a pro wrestler other than when I'd cut promos in front of a mirror when I was in high school because I didn't know. I didn't know how do you sign up, how do you become a pro wrestler, right? I'd even go to Federation Hall and watch, you know, um, Jake Milliman win because he never won on TV, and... Still never knew how you became a wrestler. And then I stumbled upon Wrestling for Donuts, which we talked about. Just out of curiosity, the Fed Hall shows. Yeah. Uh, Tom Stone yep. on those shows? Tom yep. Stone, absolutely. Um, Tom Stone, um, one of the guys, I think I mentioned this, was, was our lunchroom bodyguard at South Division. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Indian Pete. Indian Pete, yep. So those were fun shows. But that's what got me kind of hooked on it. But... And watched it and was a fan and obsessed with it through my you know late teens into my early twenties, but just never thought I'd ever get into the business. And fate, 
I understand that Indian Pete's tag team partner was Indian Dave. Any truth to that rumor? Um, not that I recall. I don't recall, no? but again, foggy-ish memories. There was a Russian. Okay. Yeah, Russian okay. assassin. So, my thing with you, or whatever, the, the thing I always associate with you is your encyclopedic knowledge of, like, old, old-timey things like things that are like beyond when the territories died in wrestling and that was really um why do you make the 80s sound like the 30s yeah well that's old time that's 30 years ago you're a prick <laughs> <laughs> but uh that was what when brian was training us he would always talk about how you had this memory of like the smallest spot or the smallest angles that you could bring back from from those times, and that was really what he banked uh, you on was like your your knowledge of the business, um, and by far, like you know, I, I got to tag with you um, in SWE for probably two or three years. Three years, yeah. right? Somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. Uh, and that was I had a lot of fun in those matches, and I learned a lot about you know how to how to put together a tag match. That's really where I kind of learned how to work actual tag matches. Was working with you in those in those areas, and how do you? Uh, I don't want to offend you, but how do you work to the strengths in the people with the people in the match mm -hmm. instead of trying to work like fit square pegs into round holes? It, so that's that's a great point because again, as I got older and my body got a little bit more busted up, I began to take the Angel Armani approach, which is if I could get away with only bumping once or twice. I think that was worth it. But I always had a soft spot. Even before it became necessary for me to be a tag team wrestler, I loved tag team wrestling. And it started to bother me in the late 90s and early 2000s when the big promotions really stopped giving a shit about good tag teams, right? But to me, that's what got... That was the, the draw for me, was even growing up. And so even when I was booking and, and doing you know Rebels with Brian, I would find, like you mentioned... Angles that worked in the 80s and just kind of blow those things up a little bit and, and make that fun. Because, again, and, and it was a different time. In the 80s, people were sitting in a crowd and they all absolutely believe 80% of them believed what they were seeing and, you know, were bought in 100%. But I still believed in that part of it. But, you know, teaming with you was awesome. The other thing people may not know is my last wrestling match was against uh, you and Vic. Yeah, that's true. For With Angel see. Armani as my tag team partner. Yes, which is and so uh, we yeah. actually made it through the match without him getting pissed at us and leaving. Yeah, yeah, which was, I, that was half of the fear in my mind was, okay, A, I want this match to look good, and B, I don't want Armani to leave, which he didn't. So um, so that was, again, that'll be something that's always... You were know, you our rough for that? I was. I rough. thought so. Mm -hmm. I Actually, Scott and I were on the retirement tour. I think I did, I don't know if I did all of them, but I did... A couple of those last matches. Yeah, as I was winding I, down. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, just for the record, since we're talking about it, like, I, I really, I don't know, that's a special thing for me to be able to be there. Like, you know, so I, uh, yeah, I admire, you know. You did Legacy? Winning. Yep. And then uh, Main Event Pro? Uh, yeah. For Will? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was you and uh, Patrick? Yes, Patrick. Yep. yep, that was my last match for them. Um I don't, my last, I guess my last match in lacrosse wasn't the one I wanted, but it would have been, well, there's two, because one of them would have been the take, the handicap match I did with Maru, it was me and Jay, Jay Leo, yeah, 
<laughs> and then, and then, he's not in the hat, I don't think. Um, and then I did a dark match where I had to wear Alex Riley's gear the next show when you had your angle. I remember that, yep. And I love Alex Riley to death. He did not wash his spare gear. <laughs> and that was not, that was not pleasant because I didn't bring my gear because I wasn't booked to wrestle. I was there to be part of the angle and I ended up in a match with Johnny Swashbuckle. Then my last match, and really my only match with MIAW, was against T.C. Washington. Right. Yeah, you guys did that angle with uh, him brutalizing you as the ring announcer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that was with Johnny Swashbuckle as a guest ref. So I guess he's got some pieces of this puzzle as well. Funny how things come around. (laughs) I'd like to just take this and put this on the record. Alex Riley would like you to know that you are not banned from RCCW. And he would like you to come to a show at some point in time. I, You know, I'd like to get up there at some point in time. Well, we're going in January. All right. And the truck seats four. All right. Well, that might and if be. Eddie Watson comes, we'll steal his hand soap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've, we've done that already. So, Eddie, what was what's your impression been of me? Because, you know, I'm generally, for some reason, <coughs> I tend to be, I feel like I'm, a fairly decent, nice guy, and I feel like I catch heat from people. Like I feel like, like I feel like you got heat with me, Ed. Are, are you being serious? I don't know. Okay. That's... So, um, so Scott's an interesting guy. Like, like I said, just now, you know, um, when you were winding up, that was really special for me to be able to be there. Like, so, and that you trusted me enough to, you know, be involved with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, so I've been in and out of this wrestling thing for years. It's like. You know, the girlfriend you just keep coming back to because, I don't know, you love it. Because she makes don't. a good pot pie? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Nobody makes and, a uh, good pot pie. Good curry or whatever. And so, um, <laughs> there have been times where, like, uh, and I hadn't been around for a while, Scott would make eye contact with me and, like, be looking right through me like, hey, hey, Scott. But then after, you know, we... I got back into the fold. We're all good, but you know, I'm legally blind. Okay, so well, you know that. that not unlike ex- Storm, Scott was keeping an eye on you. <laughs> well, my I, I was focused on Storm, but I mean, no, you know, I, I wouldn't say we've had a ton of time to just hang out. But man, like whenever you start talking about like old timey wrestling, um, as uh, as Lane would say, old like time. I really like appreciate that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Your mom ain't shit. <laughs> Like, I, you know, there's not a lot of people that when I talk about, like, oh, I love this stuff in the 80s, and I didn't go to, like, anything uh, local. So, yeah. but, like, we can talk about that, and you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've seen that, and, and you have insight that I never even would have had on those same, you know, things I saw. So, um, that's my impression. I, what's your, what's your favorite angle? What was your favorite angle ever? Ooh, boy. Let me think about that, because there's a lot of really I think I know what it is. All right. Whether you do or not. All right. I think well, let's I hear it, because you might be honest. With I think it was the, uh, from the, it would have been the NWA, mm-hmm. the studio. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing about 19, maybe the end of 88, start of 89, uh, where Eddie Gilbert had a mystery partner. Oh, yes, yes, that is Against Barry Windham and Ric Flair, and it was the returning Ricky the Dragon that was, Steamboat. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed... So my favorite booking time from the NWA was when Flair had the book and he was booking him and Funk and Sting and Muda. 
and the way that that intertwined with each other, including great, that crazy finish to Great American Bash, if you remember. Hottest end to a pay-per-view yeah. ever. That was really awesome. Like, to me, like, nothing's been that hot. It since, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you, you know whether you want to talk about invasion angles or NW or anything else, that was just the way that was booked and the way that pay per view ended, and Flair cutting a promo with blood and green mist in his face, that was awesome. Like Great American Bash '89, still like my favorite pay per view probably of all time. Yeah, that was definitely the like for me one of the pinnacles. But there were a lot of good ones, and and you know, I. I that era, so I was in the, in the minority because a lot of my friends who were wrestling fans were WWF fans. Okay. In the mid to late eighties, I didn't. I watched it. Like I didn't ignore it because it was wrestling and it was on TV and it was free, right? So I still watched Sunday's Superstars and Saturday nights um, wrestling, wrestling challenge. Wrestling challenge. But that the stuff that was on the Superstation on TBS was just phenomenal. And for the first couple years, so from like eighty four. In 85, we didn't have cable in Milwaukee, but my dad did in Pewaukee, and it was, you know, an added incentive for my dad, because I went to his house every other weekend, be like, all right, make sure, I've got to make sure I'm going to my dad's this weekend, because I want to watch, you know, Saturday Night Wrestling, you know, and, and the Superstation. So, my friends and I would always have debates, like, oh, WWF is better. I'm like, WWF is garbage, compared to what mm-hmm. I'm watching, and nobody could relate, because in Milwaukee, we didn't have cable yet, so... Nobody even understood how good and what they were missing out on. Right, so. because on one channel you had what could pass as very family friendly, and like you had great wrestlers, but they all had a bit. Like right. Jake had a snake. Right. Uh, the Bulldogs had a bulldog, and so on and so. You could see where that's going. And Harley Race had to be a fifty-year-old rookie, but also a king. Right. And then you turn the channel, and Dusty Rhodes is bleeding a gusher <laughs> and talking about fuck Tully Blanchard. <laughs> right. Right. I get it. Right. I do. Like that was just fun stuff for me. So, what was your first impressions of Scott when you met him? Uh, I was pretty sure he didn't like me. Okay. Yeah. Because all my interactions were with Brian, the professional asshole. <laughs> and here was this other guy not even talking. Now, in fairness, and and I do remember those times. And in fairness, I I mean I wasn't. I was a little bit more of an asshole than I am now, but. I was also so focused on the higher level stuff about trying to put it... Because I had a chip on my shoulder when we were doing... I was wrestling. Because people thought, you know, we didn't belong doing it. Okay? So, and I really wanted to... You know, what we lacked in great wrestling that got better as we were able to hook up with Angel. We talked about this once before. I wanted to make up for good, solid booking that made sense. You know, because I thought that was the only way we were going to make inroads... Because we didn't have guys like Billy Joe Eaton who wrestled for Carmine, who was great. And so we didn't have those Adam guys. Pierce. Right. We didn't have those. So we had to just make sure our, our stories made sense and, you know, and whatnot. So the first couple times when somebody would come in to meet with us, I just let, left that to Brian. And I figured Brian would, let, would figure out if this person wanted to be here or not. And if so, then I would say, great, welcome aboard. Right? So... That day, I know there were other things going on. I know there were other people there. I'm sure there were people trying to pitch ideas to me about stupid stuff they wanted to do. And I usually just... Like being a Dudley. (laughs) And you remember... So it wasn't... Training days weren't as bad as show days. But you remember how stressed show days were. I do. So... I do. You know, it was just... It wasn't supposed to be a slight. It was just... And I understand I'm not always the most outgoing 
when it comes to new people anyway. Right. So. But it all kind of worked out, and a couple years later, we were at Tumbleweed speaking broken carny. <laughs> so. Um, but no, I, I didn't have I didn't have a negative opinion the first time I met you at all. I just I didn't really have an opinion. I just kind of trusted that Brian would let me know if he thought you were worth the time. And I like we talked. I'm like, hey, he's a big dude. We need him. Listen, I was no Nick Fury. <coughs> That's true and probably good on so many levels. <laughs> well, it's just you know, for me, you're kind of the guy. That's been through like maybe I, I want to almost call them generations. I don't know if that's accurate, but three or four different distinct time periods in the Wisconsin wrestling scene. When you start, you know, when you're there and it's Rebels and Carmine and uh, Wow and all that, and then you move on to the to everything coming together, the Bruce City and all that sort of stuff. Like right. you've been able to keep yourself uh, relevant. And in the business for a long, long time. I think one of the strengths I've had in my whole life is I've really done more with 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 less than anybody. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Okay, so I had a, a decent run doing radio. I don't have a voice of a god. Okay, I don't have the Czech topic voice. Or you got a face for radio. I certainly have a face for it. <laughs> I have a face for radio for sure, but I certainly didn't have the the voice for it, right? And I remember when I got my first gig in radio and a new owner bought the company and said, the first thing I want to do is get that guy off the air and I lasted six years. So I feel like I find my niche. And in wrestling, I loved the business enough and I realized, like I didn't look at it as a slight when people say, well, you're a better ring announcer than you're a wrestler. Cool. And I guess I'll be a ring announcer. You know, or when they say, you know, hey, you, you know, you're decent at this. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Okay, cool. You're you're leading me to a path that says this is what I should do to stay relevant. Then I'm just going to take that path. Sure. I, I I I feel like, you know, I've survived in a lot of different careers and achieved, you know, both in real life shoot work and in wrestling, and managed to survive because I just figure out, okay, if this is the path that makes the most sense, and this is where I'm going to let this path lead me. So you're good at adapting. Yeah, I think that's the best. So I certainly think that's why I'm still even involved in, in the wrestling business. And we've had this conversation, even on, on this podcast, do I regret anything? I don't regret. I'm glad that I decided to go to that cable access studio and peek in and see a bunch of idiot kids wrestling for a donut. Because none of this would be possible. There's one, two, three things I might change along the way. Certain things I decide not to do, maybe a match or two I would have passed on. But I would never change how any of this became what it is. And I'm very happy for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got Blake, baby. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, well, uh, do you want to put a bow on Scotty here for him? Yeah. I know that you're always going to be self-deprecating against your work in the ring. But if you were as bad as you claim to have been, then you never would have got booked past Rebels. Sure. Okay. Uh, you're one of my best friends in the business. I appreciate it. And I am that. not biased. Actually, you're not even one of my best friends in the business. You're one of my best friends in life. And there's no bias when I say this. You're easily the best ring announcer in the area. 
I easily. appreciate that. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you. That that makes me feel warm. And unlike other people in this room, you don't owe me any money. <laughs> well, you wanna clean the sides of your mouth real quick, or? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, I get to pick. I haven't, I haven't yeah, delved into there. this yet. Right. You've never picked anything no, before? Not, not on six this. episodes? No. Wow. All right. All right, here we go. I'm all about taking virginity. Hey, guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming. Check us out. Let's see. Let's let's hope it's worth it. Let's hope the buildup is worth it. Um, unattended mishaps in Unin- the ring. Unintended mishaps in the ring. That was you, wasn't That's it? Re- That's your subject. Fantastic. Oh, well, look at Fantastic. that. Oh, that well, perfect. Well, you get topic. to lead out. Yes. That question's for you guys. No, no, well, you get to lead out. So let me ask you a question. So what, by unintended mishap, so... Are you looking for like when Mitch Blake dropped Scotty on his head and almost broke his neck? Or are you looking for like when we had two referees who had heart attacks in the same match? Okay, so yeah. yes, so <laughs> so as much as I could talk about the mishap that caused my neck to get broken because somebody on the other team tagged out and pissed off Mitch Blake, which made him then go for a suplex. Even though we talked about not picking me up. And I thought he was going DDT and I got dropped on my neck. I don't lay all the blame on him. There's somebody else who's partially to blame for that. And he's a girthy dude. But anyway, <laughs> and those of you who were in that match know what I'm talking about. The two, the double ref heart attack spot, to me, will always have a spot in my mind that I will never yep. forget. Yep. Yep. Oh, goodness were gracious. You, oh, obviously you weren't the referee in that match I or else we know. wouldn't have yeah. this story. Um, so... <laughs> The referees that had heart attacks were brothers. They were? <laughs> yes. So it, it was uh, Rowdy Rod. Yeah. Who, uh, well, let's let's back up. This match took place in SWE, and it was the Urban Horseman, uh, I believe it was TC and Eddie in that particular I th- match, but it might have been <coughs> TC and Sean. I thought it was a six man. I thought it was only a take. Okay. You could be right. I smells a lot of pot. That's but but my like I said my my dementia starting to set. Okay, so it and it was against. But Eddie and TC were in the match. It was against the Ross family mm-hmm. of Jack Spade and, and, and Hotshot Scott Williams with yep. myself at ringside. And right about the hot tag, I want to say it was. This was early. I thought this was earlier. Like there's a spot where he, where Eddie, is forcing me into the corner. And see, that's why I thought it was the hot tag, because everybody was headed for the corner. Might have been a false. Okay. Yeah, that's probably right. In any event, uh, very light contact was made with Rowdy Rod, and he went down like he got hit by a train. <laughs> yep. 
and wouldn't get back up. Mm. Okay. Even though the match, now remember, the match did not call for a ref bump. It did not. There was no reason for a ref bump. There was not. There was no um, no spot where somebody was going to come in behind the ref. He was not supposed to go down okay. at all. And that's why the match fell so far off the rails, because it was a false. And we went into the okay. corner, and he got the tag. But the referee was on the ground quivering. Yes. Yeah. At which point, I picked him up by his belt... Because he weighs about 38 pounds. And sat him in a chair and said, seriously, get back in the ring. But, but he, he wouldn't. sold it. But he wouldn't. So I yelled, give me another ref. <laughs> At which point his brother, whose name escapes me, anybody know? No. Rickety, Rickety Ron. Rickety Ron, who later was turned into a gimp. By these two fucking morons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, he took over, at which point something very similar took place, where light contact was made with him, and he went down. It's almost like they plan to go into business for themselves. <laughs> and if you're wondering how we ended this match, I can't tell you, but I do know that Rod had <laughs> miracle recovery and finished the match. At some point, I'm on the apron... I don't know why I'm on the apron, because all the referees are unconscious. But I'm on the apron, and I look down at Rod, who's on the chairs. Yes. Like, sideways, on the chairs, laying across a couple. He lifts his head up, and then he goes back down. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I went, what the hell? And, And also, during the time where he was conscious, but laid out on the chairs, we did repeated... Uh, spots where we cheated right in front of him, but yet when he recovered, quote unquote, he made the clean count like it was like he missed all of the cheating that happened. Yep. <laughs> and now, a little bit of revenge on my friend Lane. Sure. Unintended mishap, you say? Okay. I say Jack Spade shit his pants. Oh I my. didn't shit my pants. Oh, you shit your pants. I shit my thong, my singlet, <laughs> my pants, and then also Matt Longtime's face. Oh, my. Okay. So uh, I just told most of the last story. You go ahead with All this right. one. Well, it's not really my unintended mishap. The unintended mishap was the decision to eat Mexican food from a genuine Mexican restaurant three hours before an MIAW show. Okay? So <clears throat> there was a point in my career where Armani liked to make me do things that I probably am not athletically gifted enough to do. One spot he particularly liked was Sunset Flips. But Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. In this case, it wasn't going to be a big deal because I was taking the Sunset Flip from Matt Longtime and the fin- <laughs> Well, it wasn't even supposed to be the finish, was it? It was just a two it count. It was not the finish. Um, it the didn't s- even get to the spot was <laughs> The spot <laughs> was he, he flips over the right. top of my head, or, and, and I grab through the ropes to Vic's hands. I go down, and he kicks out at two, right? That was the plan. His call, so Matt Longtime loves this spot that he saw done by, I think it was Scotty Tuhati and somebody, and it's ten body slams in a row. That was your idea. It was his. That was your idea, because we were talking about it before the show. We had done it on the previous show. The idea of this show was to do the 10 again and then take the one on the floor. Okay. All right. So ten, the, the heel just keeps speeding up for body slams during the shine. Sure. Just repeated like an idiot. So 10 body slams. I roll out 
outside the ring. I sell the Vic, okay? We're, oh, we're leaving. Screw these guys. Screw that, you know, person over there. We're out of here. Out, double knockin' knocker, boom. Sell around. Matt Longtime, body slam on the floor. Right. When I hit the floor, <laughs> I sharted. Yep. <laughs> okay? Oh my. I sharted enchilada. <laughs> I'm not, Arriba. <laughs> I'm not sure if I told you. You did. Cause I think I got up and told I you. I went over to you and I was like, are you okay? And you're like, I just shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so later we're working. I definitely did not smarten up Matt Longtime. <laughs> oh my. Nope. For I should have. So... Feet to him, elbow to the gut, sunset over, hands through, down to my knees, onto his face. Oh no! For less than a one The count. referee comes down to count. <laughs> the hand is coming down and he is out. And I would just like to add that as I'm at ringside and I see the, the sunset flip and down goes Lane, I have Lane's hands. I see Matt Longtime's face. I almost pissed my pants laughing. It was almost a full-on biohazard at ringside. I'm just glad that he didn't decide to do the pull the tights down spot. Oh, man. At that point. Because that could have been gruesome. What's that smell? Dookie. So here's a couple that I, that I remember going back to the Rebels days. I was doing a blow-off uh, to a feud with Steve Santana, and we decided to do a street fight. Do you remember this spot? <clears throat> so the match hadn't even started yet, and I was refusing to get into the ring with Steve Santana. So he chases me out, and we're playing Ring Around the Rose. He chases me around the ring, and Amber Rose, who was my manager at the time, had a garbage can lid set up. To As I ran past her, she was going to jump out and hit him with this garbage can lid. Unbeknownst to me, because the instructions before the show were to take the handle off of the garbage can lid, because it was one of those metal can Well, nobody did. So as Steve runs around, Amber Rose, when she hit, like, she hit you, she hit you. Like, she was not a diminutive... She laid him in. Yeah. She cracked Steve with the garbage can lid. The handle busts him open. The match hasn't even started yet. I get in the ring, he rolls in the ring, I go to pick him up, and he's bleeding like a sieve all over me. So I probably got pregnant that night, because that's what happened when you got anywhere near Steve. But anyway, we worked about 25 minutes with him bleeding out profusely. Mm. So that was an unintended mishap. Of course, Brian's unintended mishap with the blade, Mm -hmm. where he was... We had, at one point, before I lost it in a fire, there was a tape of Brian with blood... Pumping out of each artery in his brain, uh, in his forehead, like squirting out. And then when he sat up, he had so much blood, it was almost like somebody dipped him for a baptismal mm. and pulled him up, and he had that much blood flowing from him. And he li- uh, le- legitimately could have died. If he were a smaller guy with the amount of blood he lost, may have bled off that day. He was a mess. Yeah, so, and then there was, actually, there was even a, a, a window story. I don't know if you wanted to share that I'll one. tell that window okay. story. I'll tell that window story. I actually just talked about this with Ike Andrews on Wednesday. Oh, okay. Um, so Scott and I were tagged up against El Vato 
and a masked character whose name escapes me, but he was portrayed... American Blazer, right? It was not American Blazer, because it was Dan Newberry under the hood. Right, but sometimes... Yeah, okay. Sometimes we pop hooded gimmicks over to other people. That's fair. Like execution. So in any event, the match itself was was actually better than it had any right to be. It really was. It was going... I, I think that's why it's so frustrating, because we were like 95% finished with the match, and it had gone swimmingly well. So... The finish of the match was myself and Newberry would brawl out to the outside and back to the locker room, leaving Scott and Vato in the ring for the for the finish. Uh, we brawled out, and he went to Irish whip me. We had talked about this prior. He went to Irish whip me. I reversed, and then he was to just hit the door with his hand and it would up by his head. Yeah. And it would fly open, and then I would follow him out. Because the locker room was down the stairs, so you'd have gone down the stairs. He ran at the door with his hands out like a child, like he was going to push the door open. Which would have been great, except for the fact that the door had a window, and he put his arm right through the pane of glass. Because it's for some reason, because both the doors before the show independently opened, but they had one of those, like, flip locks, so one of the doors was locked and the other one freely opened. We didn't know that. So when he put his hand up, that door happened to be locked and stationary. His hand went through the glass. He actually had a lawyer come to me and try to sue me, like, somehow that was my fault. and ended up not going anywhere, but I think we were more frustrated, not about the fact that he cut his hand, but my... Damn it, everything was going so well. And then... Yep. I almost killed Scotty once. Tell us more. So, there was a point in time... So, you're Vic the Stick Ross... Yep. Because you are a pool hustler. Uh, not anymore, but yeah, for a while. This is what I'm talking about. You were transitioning away... Correct. ...from the pool hustlerness. Because I was tired of having to hold something all the time. So, yeah. because you're tired of having to hold something all the time, you bought a cane. Right. With an eight ball on it. Correct. Oh, yes. Correct. Yeah. The cane happened to also be a... It was a sword cane. You pulled out the eight ball, and there was a knife. A knife. A sharp blade. Yes. Well, apparently at some point, your cane had fallen and broken the threading. But that was... Unbeknownst to us. (laughs) That wasn't going to stop us. All right? So, there was a spot in a match. Can't remember the whole match for the life of me. Scotty's not even out there. He's backstage. No, he was on commentary. Yeah, I was on commentary. I go in the ring. You hand me the cane. Yes. The spot is I'm going to swing the cane. They're going to duck it. And there's going to be something. Right. Um, And when you know you're going to miss something, and really, honestly, all the time, you swing as hard as you can. Right. So, I reached back and I swung this cane like I was... At Fenway. Yep. And the sword end of the cane came flying. With the eight ball flew out of the ring, past the crowd, mm-hmm. and landed in the curtains set up for the entranceway about six to seven inches away from your head. Yeah. About, like, and I'm not, this is not an exact, like, I hurt, like, you know, when somebody throws a, like, something, like, I heard it whiz past my head. I'm like, Oh, okay. So, yeah, that would have been an interesting, like, so, man dies, 
Oh, well, he shouldn't have been wrestling anyway. No, he was actually commentating. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, you know, I almost died at a commentating table. All right. All right, Mr. Ref. Yeah, you had to have seen something. You've had to have seen some mishaps out there. No, not, nothing on the level you guys have. Nothing interesting. You ever finish a match early on somebody? You ever count three when it wasn't time? Because um, I got one of them stories for you with Ricky, <laughs> Ricky no. fucking Ron. <laughs> No, no, I've, I've never done that to anybody. Um, if, if anything, I, I've had guys not kick out, and then, you know... You end up holding the bag looking like an idiot? No, no, I, I fucking counted the three, and then... That's because you're supposed to. Well, MCW days, so... Um, and have just someone just lose their mind about it, and then, you know, have someone demand we restart, and it was a cluster at that point. But yeah, not, nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. Okay. Right. I wish I had some more interesting shit. Are we doing on time? Oh, we're, we got time. We got about uh, a quality six minutes here left. All right. So I'm going to knock out Rickety Ron real quick. Then. Oh, okay. You do it. So uh, SWE used to run a, a cancer, a charity cancer show every year. And the match was Jason Masters against Xavier Mustafa with yours truly at ringside. And again, it was another match that was going perfectly fine. And at one point uh, in the comeback, Mustafa went for the pin. And the count went one, two, Jason Masters. I watched him lift his shoulder, three. And I tried to save Rickety Ron. I said, that was two. And he said, nope, it was three. And I said, no, that was two. Nope, that was three. And then the music kicked in. Hmm. And then I began to walk to the back, setting a land speed record for how many times one man can say the word fuck. I heard it. This is fucking bullshit. This motherfucker doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Fuck, 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 fuck. I get to the back, I'm still cussing up a storm. And that storm. And that's cool. Yeah. The promoter, Chris Hansen, asked me what was wrong. I told him what was wrong. And he says, just go back out there, restart the match, and finish it. And I believe I answered with, fuck you, you go back out there. <laughs> All right. yeah. So, Actually, I do have one now that I think about oh, that. Oh, good. Perfect. SWE Cancer Show. Um, you probably were there. It was... Uh, Chief versus, um, gosh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Canassus? It's Cahagas. It's yes, Cahagas. Yeah, so oh, I like Cahagas. Main event. Good for you. <laughs> main event of the show. Um, you know, I don't remember the match with Chief, though. Wow. Yeah, it was the yeah, main. It was the okay. main. And, uh, you know, there was nothing special. Beforehand, no, no kind of, hey, we're going to do X, Y, or Z. Was Chief's belt on the line? It was, oh, actually. Good. And, um... Spoiler, they, he retained. <laughs> they, uh, they go outside, and, uh... Uh... Canastus? Am I saying it right? Canastus. Canastus is a good game, right? Yeah, only if you wear glasses with, like, a chain. Anyway, so, he breaks out a chair, right? Middle of the match. I'm, I'm literally... In the ring, watching them brawl outside. I'm counting. He gets a chair, hits Chief with it. I'm like, okay. It's the main event. People have been here all night. 
hey, I'm gonna let that go, you know, but but I yell like, hey, like, if you do that, I, I have to do something, I have to disqualify. So, he goes in, like, hits him three times, I call for the bell, because there was no, no special, no, right, no, no disqualification, no nothing, right. I'm just gonna look like an idiot letting him just pound on him with the chair, so I call for the bell, and going back to, like, that Melissa story, I get that same look from him, he's like, Give me the what the fuck. And then he comes after me. I run back there. And when we got him back, he was like, you know, it was all, I did the right thing, given the circumstance. But in the moment, there was a, there was some panic going on. That's, yeah. I, I'm going to give you one story I just remember now. I was guest ref. So I rang, rang, rang announcer. I was a ring announcer for BCW for six years. And I enjoyed my run. I really did. I, Really had saw some really cool things and worked with some cool people. Got to work with the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, that was cool. Really, really cool. But anyway, we were doing an angle, me and JP, where JP was trying to fire me as ring announcer. And it led to a match with me and him, a street fight match. So he was the commissioner. He'd fire me. I'd come back. He'd fire me. I'd get hired back as a ref. He'd fight. So I was refing a match between Xavier Mustafa and Sadist. And a mishap happened in that match. So Sadist had uh, the... Uh, ear piercings where you had the ho the big holes in yep. the ring. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. Gaging. Gaging. Thank you. There was a spot where he was supposed to go into the buckle with Eddie behind him, and like kind of duck down so his head went between the top and the middle rope, and like Eddie would hit his head on the top buckle and take a bump. For somehow, some way though, when when Sadus went in, his gauge got stuck on something on the ring post. And he was stuck. He was stuck, and Eddie didn't realize it, so he went to roll him out mm. and ripped, a, his, ripped his ear open and ripped the gauge out. Mm, God damn. That was an unintended mishap. That was one that was, I was refing for him. Yeah. Enough, so. Well, you know, in uh, Krav Maga, there are no unintended mishaps. That's right. Fuck you, Isaac. Krav Maga! What's, what's Krav Maga? Not important, bro. Okay. Alright, well I think that's a great way to end this segment. I have a feeling that um, we're going to get a lot of fans that are going to want you back for a second show. Eddie. So we may be doing that next time. Alright. Um, but for Eddie Watson, for Jack Spade, for Stick Ross, I'm Hotshot Scott Williams. This has been the Ross Family Matters Prop That boy good. 